Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Daf Samach Beis. We left off on Daf Samach Beis Amidal of seven lines from the top of the Amid. We are learning the sugya of the Machloikis Chachamim and Abihuda relating to Tamun Ba'esh. The Chachamim exempt the fire lighter of paying for Kalim that were burnt if they were hidden in a stack of grain. Rabbi Yehuda generally is the one who is more machmer. However, the Brais is giving exceptions where even Rabbi Yehuda will hold that something that was in a stack pile, that got destroyed, the one that's responsible of guarding that stack will not be responsible for all that got destroyed. So says, continuing the Braisom, that lahagdish chitim, that if someone gave rishus, if someone lent his property, allowing someone else to make a stack of that person's wheat, and as we spoke at, at the end of last year, not only did they lend the space, but the person, the lender, also took upon himself or herself the responsibility to guard it, but they were specific that they're giving the, the permission, they are lending the space and taking a chrayis for a stack of wheat. Now the person, instead of putting wheat, the person put over the air barley. Now obviously, the lender saw that it's barley. However, what did we learn yesterday? That even when the Chachamim, for example, who hold that you are exempt for Tamun. But it's not like you're completely exempt. We make believe as if that area that was filled with the Kali was filled with the item that you are chayyah for, and at least for that you have to pay. So let's say if there's a stack that had it been filled with wheat, it would have weighed, let's say, 10 pounds, and, therefore, and the cost is a dollar a pound. It happened to be filled with a Kali. The Kali took up half of its inner space, so even though the Chachamim hold that you're not chayv to pay for the keli, you're chayv to pay for 10 pounds of burnt chitin. Now coming back over here, the permission that was given was given for chitin. The person put over there barley. Now barley is that which was visible to the eye. The truth is it was filled with barley. So this will be the first of the following four cases where if the barley got burned down, the lender who took a chrayis to guard only has to pay for item. The Chiddush is, again, is that we say that the inner part of the stack, we don't make believe as if it's filled with chitin. And after all, he gave permission for chitin. He took responsibility for chitin that is more expensive. He only pays for the barley. Case number two. So, if he gave permission to stack barley, and the person put a pile of wheat, and it got burned down, the person is going to be chayiv, only for that which he took responsibility for, which is for Sa'idim. He's going to pay him a lesser amount of money. Case number three, Chitin, he took responsibility, he gave him permission to stack a pile of wheat. The Chipon Besa'idim, and the person, instead of putting wheat, put barley, and says Rashi, third line, Chitin, the Chipon he put wheat, he gave him permission for wheat. And he stacked wheat, but he covered the wheat with barley. See the end of the third line from the top of the Ahmed. Even though he gave him permission for chitim. And it was chitim. It was only covered with barley. He pays him only as if the entire stack was only barley. Because the Amarle. Because he tells him that later, I only saw the barley. Yes, I gave you the shoes for chitin, but I thought you put barley. And therefore, I didn't guard the fire because I knew that barley is not that expensive. Had I known that you actually did what I gave you permission to do, I would have guarded the, the, my property better. I would have made sure a fire doesn't get it and it wouldn't have burnt. So again, he only pays him for sa'idim. And the fourth, fourth case is when he gave him permission to stack barley. And the person stacked barley, but he covered the barley with wheat. So again, for the inner, of course, he only pays for the barley. 
The Chiddush is that even though it was covered, the outer layer was wheat, it looked like a stack of wheat. He only pays him He only pays him for the value of the, an entire stack of, of barley, even though he knew that it was actually covered with chitin. And here we have a very important Toysavus, the second Toysavus in the Amit, that says that all of this is only b'madlik mitoich shaloi aido. The e b'madlik mitoich shal chaveiroi so'oidim v'hidgish chitim l'amaloi yishalem. That if the person was more direct in setting it ablaze, in other words, the person set fire already in the premise where the stack got burned down, he burned the stack, so to say, directly down, even though he only gave him permission for Sa'idim, if he saw it was chitin, then it should be chay for chitin. In other words, like we learned yesterday, there's a big difference between someone who's negligent, he was like a negligent, versus someone who was ma'amid biyodayim. And that was one of the opinions that even the Chachamim, that the Chachamim who hold Taman the Eish is spotted, but by ma'abed biyodayim, you're going to be chayr for Taman. You're, you're, you're more responsible when you were more directly involved in the damage. So here we're saying a big chiddush, that the person stacked, a person gave the shoes for Sa'idim. But he saw there was chitim. Why should he be off the hook of chitim? Because he only took responsibility. Well, that's different. There you can argue because he saw Sa'idim. Correct. He's only chayiv. I don't understand So that's why Teisavus is saying that these dinam are only correct because his responsibility to begin with doesn't begin with fire being lit in the premise where it got burned down. It was lit in another property. That's what he sees. That's what he sees. Very good. And here, look in the last case. He gave Sa'idim v'chipon, you know, he gave permission for Sa'idim. But he sees chitim. He sees chitim. Nevertheless, he can say later, I only said, I'll guard it for Sa'idim. You know, I saw the fire coming from another property. I was busy. I was lazy. I said, listen, I gave you the shoes for Sa'idim. Anyways, the whole pile of Sa'idim is only worth a dollar. It's worth it for me to pay you the dollar. That's why I didn't guard it. So Amar Rava says Rava, following on this line of thought, that Hanois and Dinner Zohav If a man gives a woman a golden coin, and we're not speaking about Kedushan, he's giving her a golden coin for safekeeping. And Va'amarla, and he tells her, he's a hadi boy, hey, please guard it, be careful with it. Shal Kesafu, I'm giving you a silver coin. It's very similar. So he, he actually gave her gold. He told her it's silver. His Ikatu, if it got damaged, Mishalemes dinner zahav. If I'm sorry, if she was, if she damaged it herself, when you're a mazik biyodayim, like we just spoke out on the traces, when you are a ma'amid biyodayim, you can't say, "Wow, I only heard I'm getting silver. I only took the responsibility to guard silver." Can't do that. You you saw it's gold. You damaged it. You got to pay for what you damaged. Mishum the Omar law because he tells her, "Mayahavalech gabei." The Azik say, why did you damage it? What did you have against the coin? When you are mazik something, you have to pay for that which you damaged. However, if it was only Pashabai, Pashabai means that she didn't damage it directly. She was negligent in guarding it. Something else damaged it. There, like we learned in the Brais at the end, she only has to pay for, the, the, for that coin if it would have been out of silver. Why? Because the Amrale, she tells the man, You told me you're giving me a, co- a coin of silver. I took upon myself the responsibility to guard a coin of silver. I never took upon myself the responsibility to guard a golden coin. Mm. She necessarily knows what it is. He gave it to her. If it's wrapped up, then Lachori, even if she damaged it directly, she'll have to. She didn't know. The, the point is, is that knowing what is getting damaged in itself won't be the only criterion for what you're for. What's important to know is what did you take upon yourself? 
When a person takes responsibility and at the end of the day they fail the responsibility, they make a calculation. What do people think? I'm going to be lazy. In the worst case scenario, I'll pay. But if they only think they'll have to pay $5 and then they discover they would have to pay $500, they can say, had I known, I would have watched it better. Gavalik. You quoted this din of the golden and silver coin. You quoted this din in Rava, who differentiated between ma'abed biyodayim and only, so to say, being negligent in guarding. Anan, this very din, mi masnisop shitolan. I learned this from a b'raisa, which is the b'raisa we just learned, which is really the same thing. That chitim, if a person took responsibility to guard someone else's stack of wheat, and the person put there a stack of wheat, but the chitim b'sohidim, they covered it, the outer layer was barley, or sohidim, they took a chrais for sohidim and they covered it with wheat, so here when they covered it with wheat, it looked like wheat. Nevertheless, the b'raisa says, Einam shalom elodomei sohidim b'lvad, and again, Mamash, what you said, Alma, we see that Amar lay that the owner of the field tells to the owner of the stack of grain, Nitirusa desare kabiliolai. I only said I'm going to guard your barley. Hachinami, here also, Amar lay she tells him, Nitirusa desare kabiliolai. I was taka poishaya in being negligent, but as long as she was not ma'abeit or mazik, biyodayim, she only has to pay for that which she took upon herself responsibility and for nothing that is more expensive. Omar Rav. Rav is continuing by learning the Shita of Rabbi Yehuda, that is Machayiv Tamun Ba'esh. That Shema'es Milsol, that Rabbi Yehuda, I heard a halacha regarding Shita's Rabbi Yehuda. However, I don't remember what it was. I learned something about this Shita of Rabbi Yehuda. So Amar Shmuel, Shmuel tells Rav, Don't you know, don't you remember what you heard? He called Rav Abba, we had this not that long ago, either because Rav's name was actually Abba, or that's an expression of Kavait, my father. Be that as it may, Shmuel is now intuiting, he's guessing, to Rav, what do you heard? And he tells him, According to the Shita, and by the way, let's also remember that even according to the Chachamim, depending according to Rav Kahana, depending according to, uh, to Rava, there's also going to be times when you chayev for Tamun Ba'ish, like we had in the Mishnah. But let's go according to Rava, that if I already lit the fire in the property of someone's house, not on my property and it traveled there, where my uh, involvement is more direct and it burned the house and everything in the house, the Mishnah says, you have to pay for the house and for everything in the house. So here's the question. Also, Takana's Nigzal Bi'ishai, they made a statement that the Takana that they made for a stolen party was also made for a person who got his things burnt in fire. What does the Takana Sanigzal refer to? Normally the halacha is very simple. If I want to g- collect money from you, I have to have a raya. I have to bring two them. Normally I don't make an oath and collect. Normally an oath is made for you not to have to pay. But one of the cases where the Chachamim made a Takana that you make an oath and you collect is that once it was already established, let's say that Ruven stole from me, no one knows what he stole. But if I have Aiden that he stole, I, the damaged party, am saying he stole something of tremendous expense. The Nigzal is either denying it, that's the big machlokes here to show him, or the Nigzal doesn't even know himself. The Chachamim said, I get to swear that what I am saying is true, and he has to pay the item that I am claiming he stole from me. That's a fact. No one debates that. So here Shmuel is saying that you probably heard regarding Rabbi Yehuda. See, the challenge of Tamun is, if you hire for Tamun, now to prove that you were the one that lit the fire, I have to bring Adam. I have Adam. But the Adam will never know what was Tamun. It's, it was hidden. So I'm claiming that in the fire there was a utensil that was worth $100. How do you know? Maybe, maybe you're saying maybe there was something taka there. Maybe it was worth half that amount. I... The damaged party swear, and the person who lit the fire is chayef to pay for what I'm claiming for. And the question that's going to be discussed is, what happens if there's a denial? 
if it's only a buddy against the Shemu or if it's a buddy against a buddy. But at least let's learn the concept that taking an oath will work. Now, ask Tamemar, now that we established that a Nigzal gets to swear. Tamun Ba'esh, the damaged party, the Niza gets to swear. What about Asu Takanas Nigzal, the Masoir Oiloi? If a person, God forbid, is a Moiser Maman Chaveroi, that means if a person goes to the authorities. And based on their snitching to the authorities, that person's property is confiscated. But we don't know exactly what was confiscated. Now the question is whether that person gets to swear because of your telling the authorities they took from me a million dollars. Am I going to be chayf to pay for all that money or not? So now the Gemara says like this, According to the opinions that hold that Garmi is going to be potter by Nizakin, there's no point of taking an oath. Um, the person who was the Masoid is completely exempt anyway. I'll explain that to me in a moment. The question of Amemar is if you do have to pay for Garmi. So now the question is how much do you have to pay? We don't know how much the, the authorities confiscated. Also, Takanis Nixel the Masoid. That the nishtab of that he should not have to prove, but he should simply only get away with swearing that that and that amount of money was taken away from me. Oiloi, and on this we have a takeo. Now we're learning something that we're for the first time in Bavakam. Up until now, we learned so many times together that grama benizakin is potted. When is a person chayiv when they cause damage directly? And enachanami, if my animal damages someone else. One taka might have argued without the Torah saying otherwise, it's called grama. But the chiddush is that uh, my animal, my fire, according to the shlokish, something that belongs to me, is considered indirectly involved. But if it's indirect, I'm potter. Garmi basically comes from the same shayrish as grama, causative. There was a big machlokis in the shaynim. Rashi holds, and Rashi basically stands by himself, that Garmi and Grama mean the same thing, even though there are some differences. But generally, Rashi learns Garmi and Grama is the same. And the Gemara and Samach Beis in Baba Kama is introducing that everything that we learned until now regarding Grama is really up to a Machlaikis. And there are those opinions who hold that Grama bin Isakan is Chayef. And that's the question of Amemir. If a person caused someone else to lose his property because he told the authorities, so they caused that loss. Does that person get to swear as to how much was taken and therefore collected from me? All, almost all of the other Rishonim disagree with Rashi, and they hold that everyone holds Grama bin Nizakin as Patr, Patr Garmi is also causing damage, but it's causing damage more direct. However, you'll define it. And Masr will be considered Garmi. Is it more direct in action? Is it more direct in time? We'll leave that for another, for another discussion. But be that as it may, Masur is in the category of Garmi. There is a machlekes whether by Garmi, the one who caused that damage is Chayef. If you're Chayef, again, I'm even asked, what's going to happen? Do they make this takana of swearing or not? Says the Gemara story. Ha'hugavra, there was a man, the Batash, the Chaspito, the Chavri, that he kicked a money box of his fellow. And because of his kicking it, Shadya bin Ahara, it fell into the river. Now this is not called grama. This is direct damage. I, I threw your box into the river. I'm chayef to pay for the box. That's no, no debate about that. Right? I have Adem. If I, you have Adem that it happened. The question is, someone is claiming something was in the box of tremendous value. This concept of Takana Sanigzal. So the owner of the box came and said, such and such articles were in the box. And now the question is, does he have to bring Edim or only swear? Yosef Rav Ashi Ashi was thinking into the din, Ki hai gavna mai. And Amar lay Ravina Lerav Achabrede Rava, or Amri Lerav Achabrede Rava to Rav Ashi. The question is, does swearing what was in the box enough? Will that be... We know that he caused the loss of the box because there were Edim. There has to be Edim. We don't know what's in the box, and the guy is claiming something that's uh, beyond the norm, as will be defined. So, they, so either Ravina 
or Ravacha suggested lav hainu masnisin. You know, that's that's the case of our Mishnah, which would be the Tanan. And as we mentioned when we started learning the sugya, that when the Gemara began, that he heard something regarding Rabbi Yehuda, it's not only Rabbi Yehuda. We quote Rabbi Yehuda because Rabbi Yehuda always holds Taman Be'esh Chayef. But even the Chachamim, either like Rav Kahana, or more limited like Rava, even like Rava, even the Chachamim sometimes will hold your Chayef by Taman Be'esh, which was the case in the Mishnah and Samachalif. That Amaydim Chachamim Rabbi Yehuda, Be'madlik Asabira, Right, according to every, let's learn that the fire was lit already in the property of the tower, of the, of the, of the castle, and it burned, and everything in it got burnt. And why is that? So the Mishnah says, quoting words from the Mishnah, because people usually leave things in the house. So, how, how, okay, people usually leave things in the house, but no one saw that those things were burnt. Does that not imply? How would you make a person chayv tamun be'esh? So just like we said on Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, it's on everyone. Whenever you chayv for Masha B'Toychay, he'll never have proof. That's what we're assuming. He swears and he's believed with the shvur. So Amar so one second, to which he responded, If the person who owned the box is claiming that in the box there were coins, then for sure he will be believed. Because coins are things that people usually keep in money boxes. Hacher, Rabashi is explaining the problem. The question was, the Kotoin Marginisa, that the owner of the box is claiming that he had in their jewelry. We're speaking about a scenario where people did not normally put jewelry in a box. That's key. So there was jewelry in a money box. And now, my, Ravashi is saying, I am troubled. Is it usual for people to put pearls in a money box, if that would be the case, yes, I know that an oath would be enough. But being that Ravashi had that halachic doubt, it's a, you know, ultimately it boils down to a percentage. It's not the usual, but it's not completely unusual. The rule is, if it's something that, like this says in the Mishnah, that you have to pay for what was in the bira. If it's the derech b'nei adam, for sure a shvua would be enough. That was taka the din that we taught in the name of Rav Yehuda. That also takanas nigzal in a tamut. The problem in the box was it's not usual. Uh, and if it's not usual, it's, then the person can claim, uh, I'm going to be exempt for it. You should, had I known, let's word it this way, it's a hemshech from the Gemara before, I was not mazigit mamish biyadayim, I did not protect, in the case of the box, he was a mazik biyadayim, correct. He wasn't to do it. But on the other hand, he didn't know that it was in it. He couldn't claim, had I known, see it's different than the case of Rava. In the case of Rava, the woman got a golden coin, she knew she got a golden coin. Elamai, the man told her, watch my silver coin. That's different. So dear, when you're mazik, it'd be a daim, you gotta pay. Here you are mazik, it'd be a daim. But you didn't know what you're being mazik. Because it's a borderline derech b'nei adam. That's the question whether an oath will be enough or not. Continues. Let's go to the case of the Mishnah with Hanim and Abi Yehuda all hold that you're chayef to pay for that which was inside a building. The person, the owner of the building claims that I had a chmesa, a goblet. I had a silver goblet in the building. Sorry, in these cases we did the table and answer. What do you do on the chmesa if someone does it? No, there's the rules. And I'm sure there are many other rules. Okay, so my, do we say, Amalei tells Ravashi chazinam, this is, Ra, this is Ravashi back to his shita that he had a question whether people are darkon to put, to put a, a pearl in a money box. So here, a person is claiming I had a silver goblet in my house. We have to understand what type of person is this person. If it's a man who was assessed, the East Lake Casa de Caspa, that he's wealthy enough to own silver goblets, then he'll be believed. Not only that, adds Ravashi, Inami Inish Mehemnohu, if he's a trustworthy person, maybe not wealthy. However, the Mafkede Inish Gabei, that it makes sense that someone else 
would have entrusted this homeowner with their silver goblet, because people find him to be an honest person. Here also, Mishtaba Vishakal, he swears that he had in his house a silver goblet amongst the other things, and he'll get that money from the, from the mazik of the fire. However, Eloi says Ravashi, but if he's not known to be a wealthy person, nor is he a trustworthy person, then laugh, call Kimine, then we will not believe him to make an oath. So the criterion is derech b'nei adam It has to be something that is within the norm. If it's not within the norm, even though theoretically the lighter of the fire is chayef, but if, there is being, if there's a machlaikas here, he's saying, no, it was not there, then hamayt semechavere olavaraya. And an oath will not be enough. What's the difference between a thief and an extortioner? Amalei responded, the word chamson and extortioner refers to a case where someone who took against the will of the original owner his things, he paid him for it. Extortion means he forced him to sell it. A gazlan, a robber, is a person who takes and he doesn't even give the money. Amalei, one second, to which Rav Ashi says, Rav, Rav Ada Bar Avia asks, Rav Ashi, is that correct? If I force you to make a sale and you receive money from me, Hamson could You're calling that an extortioner? It's not true. Rafuna teaches us, we'll learn above Basra, that Talua Vizabin Zvine Zvine, that if one person hangs the other, and he tells him, I'm going to leave you hanging until you agree to sell me something. And he says, okay, I agree. And he sells it to him. And money was exchanged. The sale is a sale. No one can claim after a transaction that I was coerced to make that transaction. Now, obviously, we're not saying that, something that, that that's an ethical thing to do. Not only is it unethical, but many uh, paskin, that the person who forces a sale is violating loisachmeid. The guy didn't begin with wanting to sell it. That means you dafke want that, but the sale is valid. So, like Hasha clarifies the Gemara, ha, when do we say that talua v'zabin zvine zvine? That's only when at the end, the person says the words, okay, I'll sell it to you. If he says right, Sani, and he receives the money, then the one who did it is not in the category of a chamsan. He's not a great guy to be around, but he's not a chamsan. Ha, here, the loyama right, Sani, the classical word chamsan is used if I go over to you and I say, I want to buy your, whatever it is, I want to buy your pen, and, and, I, and, I, and the guy says, I don't want to sell it. And the chamsan doesn't care. He says, you don't want to sell it? I'm buying it of you. I know it's worth a dollar. Take the dollar and he takes the pen. That's called a chamsan. A gazlan is a person who doesn't even give the dollar. Let's go on. Some of day says the Mishnah, Gates, Sheyotza, Mitachas, if a spark flows from under a hammer and the hizik and it damaged something else, so here the din is that you are chayiv. Now, what's the chiddush over here? So let's just understand the following that either the spark is looked at my arrow, right? Let's remind ourselves that machlekes Rabbi Yechanan and Ishlakish will be important for the next part of the Mishnah. It's Adam Hamazik, or we look at the spark as my money, memoinoi, that damaged. There's a big difference. If you look at the spark as my arrow, so the din of the Mishnah is only that a spark under my arrow that damaged Amchayev, if it went all with my kayach, if the spark flew from my zets of the hammer. What happens if the spark would have flown only half of the way and then wind carried it the other half of the way? Am I going to be chayv also? So again, according to Rabbi Yechiran, Ishai Mishum Chitzav, it's always viewed as my hammer. According to Rabbi Yechiran, according to Rishlakish, we're going to view it as my mom and Memoina Hizik. Now, Okay, so just, so one second. Whenever the category is Adam Hamazik, just to know the rules, by Adam Hamazik, there's never an exemption because you were an Oynas. Whenever it's Memoina Hizik, so then if it would be an Oynas, you'll be off the hook. So if I hit a hammer 
and the Ruach Mutsuya, the spark would not have reached what it reached. And only the Ruach She'ena Mutsuya it reached there, then I'm going to be Potter. Okay, now, says the Mishnah, we learned this before, Gomel, Shehoyotom, the Pishtin, if a camel was loaded up with flags, and the flax was protruding from both sides of the camel, and it walked in the public domain, and the flax went into someone else's store. And the storekeeper had in his store a torch, had in his store a candle, and the flax of the Baal HaGomel entered his store, so now the flax caught fire. And as the camel keeps on walking, it took the fire and the hidlik asabidam, and he lit someone else's house down. So says the Mishnah Baal Gomel Chayev. In other words, he was negligent by the fire is not his. He was negligent by overloading his camel. He has to pay. Now again, let's go back. According to Rabbi Yechanan, that holds that Ishoi Mishum Chitzov. But here the problem is, when do we say Isha Mishum Chitzov? If I was the one that, that lit the fire. So the fire is coming from me. Here the problem is, the fire is not mine. I didn't even light the fire. Who lit the fire? My animal lit the fire. So if my animal lit the fire, well, where's my arrows? Which is why we talk learned... Be, no, that's the whole difference. Once it's my arrow, it's Adam Hamazik. If something is caused by my animal, first of all, you can argue only if my animal did it directly am I chayef. Which is why we learned before, right on that chavez, or in that sugya, that according to Rabbi Yechanan, we consider fire that was created by my animal or brought by my animal, tzoraitis. It's like my animal walking on stones and the stones go flying, and white tzoraitis, you only chayef, and that's taka the way the Gemara said that we learned this din in the Mishnah. That according to Rabbi Yechinen, I'm only high for half of the beta that got burned down. However, according to Rabbi, according to Lakish, who holds that to begin with, fire is only memainai. It's not. So Rabbi, Rabbi Shlakish. And over here, the fire doesn't belong to me. The fire belongs to the Chandani. So the Gemara asked before, according to the Shlakish, you should be fully exempt. He says, it's not even Tzoraitis. Because he learns that fire, to begin with, is only because of Memoinoi. So the solution we gave was, is that my animal directly touched the beetle. And the, the, you know, the fire didn't only contact one part of the beetle. The camel kept on walking around that house. So it's not Tzoroiris of my animal. The animal directly lit everything on fire. So my animal was directly a mazik, and that's why I'm going to be chayv taka to pay for Nezek Sholem. But the Chiddush is, I'm only chayv to pay for Nezek Sholem when my animal touched the palace in all places where it got burnt. Completely potter, according to the Shlakish. Because, because it's not mine. It's not mine. Now, However, if the storekeeper put his fire outside the store, and he did not have permission to put it there, and then my camel, that was taka overloaded, took that fire and brought it to someone else's bira, here the chenveni is going to be chayv. Because it's the chenveni's fire. See here, according to the, according to the shlakish, it's not problematic, because memoyna hizik. However, in this Rabbi Huda says that if the Chenveni put Neir Chanukah, and Neir Chanukah, not only do you have permission to put it Nebachutz, because just having permission in itself, we learned many times, doesn't necessarily get you off the hook. Remember that, that Yeshua gave people permission, to put their sewage outside, to have the shoes, but if someone got hurt on it, you have to pay. By a mitzvah, it's more than that. Not only did the chenveni have rishus, the chenveni was obligated, to put the Ne'er Hanukkah outside the store. And now the fire spread. Here, the chenveni is going to be exempt. Omar Avinu Mishmei says, From the, from the latter statement of the Mishnah, we can extrapolate that Rabbi Yehuda holds, Ne'er Hanukkah mitzvah l'hanichah mitoich that the mitzvah of Nerchanika is to put it within ten tfachim of the ground. And let's, guys, let's hazard quickly, Hilchas Hanukkah, lower than three tfachim of the ground, we're not allowed to do that. The reason why there is an advantage of putting it 
within ten Fachim is because since the mitzvah of the Hanukkah candles is a mitzvah, that it should be done only L'shem mitzvah, and we're not allowed to have benefit from the light, light that's lit for people to benefit from, normally is light that's put a little bit higher. Today we hang the lights from the ceiling. Think about it, the higher the source of the light, the more the light will spread. So here, not only is it good to put it in Teich but you're obligated to put it in Teich Because the Yisal Kadai Teich if you would be allowed to also put it over ten, why will the Baal of the Chenveni, the one who created the fire, be exempt? Am I? Let the damaged party, let the Balabira, tell the Chenveni, you should have put your fire, yes, you have a mitzvah. If you can fulfill your mitzvah by putting the fire higher than ten Fachim, basically higher than the height of a camel and its rider, then it never would have spread. So you're a Peshaya. Don't tell me that you had a chiv to put the Ner Hanukkah. You could have put it higher. So it's a raya that he, the mitzvah lachatchilas to put it mitoich asara. Now, b'chal, the concept of asara tvachim, we're going back, way back to Mayid, but we were learning about the Aron Kodesh and the Kruvim and the Shechina speaking out from Mebena Kruvim. The Gemara there always pointed out that the Kruvim were higher than asara tvachim. And that's because there's a rule that until the coming of Mashiach, the Shechina doesn't go under ten tvachim, which is why the Rebbe, who constantly spoke about Mashiach, very commonly used to finish these brachas by saying, and may the Shekhinah come, lamata masara tvachim. Which is interesting, that if you're going to hold that there is a mitzvah to dafka put the neir chanukah, lamata masara tvachim, so there's a concept even in Golos, and that's the power of rabbinic laws, and that's the greatness of neir chanukah, that we have the power to lighten up the dark, part of lighting up the, the night, is putting the fire already lamata masara tvachim, which is, Beruchni is a dark place because the rule is that the Shekhinah doesn't go within ten Tvachim of the ground. But anyways, that should be a proof. Elalaf Shlamina, mitzvah la'anicha metei chasara. You have to put it metei chasara. It's not part of the Rishos of this world. Very good. So Amri, the answer, that's not an ayah. And now we're going to learn a very important rule. That lo'aylam emelach, maybe that the mitzvah lachatchila can be afilu lamaylam asara. Again, not that it has to be Lamaila. You could put it Lamaila Masara. It cannot be under three Tvachim, but it can be, as we'll see soon, up until 20 Amas. And even if the Chen Vanilla Chatchila would have been allowed to put it Lamaila Masara, my Amrat, why, what are you telling me? That the Balabira should tell the Balachenveni, Yechayev to pay. You can't get off the hook because you had a mitzvah of Hanukkah. You should have put it high. Kivin de be mitzvah ka'asik, since at the end of the day he was doing a mitzvah, kulahai layatrechor abanan. Even if you can lachatchila light it higher than ten, the chachamim would not obligate you to light it higher than ten. Because it's easier to light it lamata masar. It's easier for you to light it below gamal virachvoy. You know, there's a rule that people are not allowed to make the mitzvah so difficult that will disencourage people from keeping it. It's a very important rule. Obviously, God forbid, we're not going to suggest that people should lower the standards of halacha, but if a person is allowed to light it, lamata masara, even if you can light it higher than asara, the chachanin would never obligate a person, you have to do it harder. Fakir, the responsibility of us is to make Yiddishkeit or to present Yiddishkeit in a way where it's easier to keep it, not where it's harder to keep it. So there's no proof. Very good. In the name of Rabbi Tanchaim, now that we're speaking about Shiurim of the height, the minimum height, let's also remember the Shiurim of the maximum height. That if you put the Chanukah higher than 20 Amis, it's going to be puzzle. Says the last Rashi in the Pedic on top of the Amid. People who look, their eye, the, 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 the periphery of the eye doesn't go higher than 20 amas if they don't specially look up. And therefore, says Rashi, nisa, there won't be a persume nisa, nisa ba'inan. You have to be mefarsim the of Hanukkah. So therefore, it's going to be possible. And the Gemara concludes, just like we have the law in Sukkah, that the schach of the Sukkah cannot be higher than 20 amas off the ground of that sukkah, and like the din of a mavui, 
The din of a mother is, is that when you have an area that's adjacent to, that opens up to a Rishus And the mother, the example that we're speaking here, is a mother that's only open on one side. So when you think about a cool disak, you have to imagine that opening up to a large public street, as we just had recently, a street that has a 16 amas of width. So, since that street itself is not Eidesh Rosarabim, you can carry there. We're not speaking about carrying from a home to that alley. We're speaking about something that when Shabbos entered was already in that Mavoi, you can carry it from one place to the other. Came along the Chachamim and they said that no, that it looks like Eidesh Rosarabim. People will confuse it with Eidesh Rosarabim. So in order for you to be allowed to carry there even midrabanan, you have to make some sort of simen that's going to be a reminder that this is not the Rishosarabim. You don't have to fully close it off. That's the whole beginning of Eruvin. You have to make either a lechi, a side post, or a kaira, a crosby. But the point of a lechi or a kaira is that a person will see it, will chap, oh, that's the mavui. And that's the Rishul Sarabim. It's also going to prevent people carrying from the Mavoi into the Rishul Sarabim. Now, in order for you to have a hacker, you have to see it. So the din is that putting a cross beam, a kaira, is only good if the cross beam is within 20 amas. If it's Lamaila, Ma'asra people won't notice it, and it's not going to be good. And with this, we say, Hadran Allah, God willing, we're going to return to Pedek Hakainas, starting with the seventh Pedek Merubah. Very good. So now we're going to start learning the dinim the following. If a person, God forbid, steals from another, so there's a difference between a ganov and a gazlan. A ganov means a thief. The definition of a thief of a ganov is, is when the ganov is hiding. He doesn't want to be caught. He doesn't want to be seen by his victim. He doesn't want to be seen by others. He's stealing at night. He's, you know, he's digging a tunnel under the ground. Whatever he's doing, he's doing in hiding. A gazlan is a word that's used for someone who robs, a robber meaning someone who steals out in the open. Everyone can see what he's doing. The Torah teaches us that a gazlan and a ganif, obviously, you have to return what you stole. If what you stole is be'en, if what you stole is here, you have to give that back. If what you stole is no longer in existence, you have to return the value of what you took. That's a given. On top of that, as we'll start learning in the sugya, there was a special din by a ganev. A ganev, to a certain degree, is penalized more than the gazlan. One of the reasons is, is that a gazlan, who's not afraid of God, because he's going against the rule of God, is at least not afraid of his fellow man. He's not afraid of anyone. The ganev has the disadvantage of from Hashem and Hashem's rules, he doesn't care. But from other people he cares, which is why he's doing it in a way that no one should catch him. So the din of a ganav is, is that if a ganav was caught in a thievery, meaning if he himself did not admit that he stole, if he doesn't get off the hook of maide beknas pater, then he has to not only return that which he took, but he has to pay kefal. And by the way, kefal, just to know the spelling, it's not a Russian or a Litvish achoylam. It's a tzedeh. Kefal, he has to pay back double. Double means, let's say if the item that he took is worth 100, he has to give back 200. How does he give back the 200? Again, if the item that he took is be'en, if that item is there, he has to give him back that item, plus the worth of that item, a total of 200. If the item that he stole that was worth 100 is no longer here, then he has to give him back 200. I heard a good word, why, what's the concept of kefal? Because kefal is mamash midah keneged midah. What's the midah keneged midah? So there's a ganav. And, 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 so Reuven and Shimon, Reuven is the ganav. Shimon is the, damage, is the stolen party, the damaged party. When Uven took Shimon's $100 pen, what happened was, is that Shimon, who rightfully should have owned that $100, doesn't have it. Reuven, who should not have had that $100, does have it. If Reuven only returns to Shimon the pen, which is the first thing, so everything is back to normal, but there's no Mida Kenegad Mida. What would be the Mida Kenegad Mida? You, Reuven, wanted Shimon to be a hundred dollar minus. So now you, Reuven, have to go and get the hundred dollar minus. You, Reuven, were, you were, you were going to end up with a hundred dollars plus. You were going to have his pen. So Shimon should end up with, with plus a hundred dollars. Hop. So that's accomplished. You know, when you return what you stole, you're just going back to, to square one. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. Now we want what you, what you did should happen to you 
And that mamish happens when he gives back double. That's a din of kaf. On top of that, yeah. Well, it's a pasik. We're going to learn all the psukim soon. So there's a din of kaf. Now on top of kaf. Only now on top of that, the Torah. Now, as we'll learn in our Mishnah, the din of kafel, which is written in the Torah, and the Torah uses examples, living stock. We'll read all these psukim soon. We apply kafel for everything or almost everything. Gufay mamein and metaltalin. These will be the rules. Anything that's movable and anything that has intrinsic value, if it was geganvit, if it was in the category of geneva. Then again, aside of the case where Moide Beknas Potter with the Ganif later on his own admits that he took it and he'll be exempt from the double, you always have to pay back double. If the Ganif stole and dafke, either an ox, either cattle or tsoin, tsoin means both sheep and goats. And on top of that, after he stole it, he either shechted it or he sold it, Tavachumachar. So the trade explicitly says, that if it was a lamb or the goat, the smaller animals, they have to give back four times the value. Again, four times the value means the, the thing itself plus three times the value. A total of four. Again, either the item, ideally the item, plus three times, or if you lost the item, l'chatchila four, you know, it was worth a hundred, pay back four hundred. If it was a large animal, if it was cattle, say it's an ox or a cow, and after he stole it, he shechted it, or he sold it, then he has to give back five times the value. Now let's read the Mishnah. Says the Mishnah, that the rule of paying kaifel is more inclusive. In other words, it applies in more cases from the, from the rule of from the rule of having to pay back four or five fold. How is it Meruba? How is it more inclusive? Says the Mishnah, one din, Shemidas Tashlumi Kefal, the law of paying back Kefal, Noiheges, Bein Bedabr Shiesh Beiruachayim, by things that have life in it, which are the examples the Torah gives, and also Bein Bedabr Shein Beiruachayim, even by inanimate objects. If a gun of steals, like I said, a pen, the pen is worth $100, he has to give him back a pen plus $100, or if the pen is no longer, he has to give him back $200. However, the rule which expands kefal into four or five, here said doesn't mean only a sheep, said means a sheep and a goat, that happens many times. In other words, it's called bakar utsain. Bakar means cattle, oxen and, and uh, cows, and soin means, again, the, the, the sheep or the lamb, Shenemar, as it says, ki yignayv ish shoyr oiseh, and then utavachay oimacharay, and that excludes everything else, and more of this in the Gemara. How do we know that one is amplified and one is not? Continues the Mishnah. Ein hagoynev acher haganev meshalom tashlumi kefel. If a person steals from a thief, so the original owner was Shimon. In our example, Reuven stole from Shimon. Chaim steals from Reuven. Chaim does not have to pay kefal. There is actually some opinions in the Achreinim that not only does he not have to pay kefal, he doesn't even have to pay back the principal. Ah. But let's go with the majority opinion that the Mishnah is meduyak, that the Ganif, Hagoynef, Menaganif has to pay back the principal. He just doesn't have to pay back the penalty of kefal. And likewise, says the Mishnah, so again, Reuven was the first Ganif. Reuven stole from Shimon. Chaim steals from Reuven. Chaim, after he stole, shechted it or slaughtered it. We're speaking about a shoyd or Sam. And the concept of Arba Vechamisha is not viewed as an independent penalty. It's viewed as an extension of Kefal. Because since Hagoynef Menaganef doesn't pay Kefal, if you don't pay Kefal, then you don't pay four or five, which is only an extension of Kefal. Let's start with the Gemara. Clarify, if you, if you just stole the set or shirt, but you didn't you still pay No, only if you it or after you stole it. Says the Gemara, ve'ilu midas tashlumi Kefal. Now we're opening up the new sugya. The new sugya, and the next year we're going to get out the and read the psukim inside. When you have a shoy merchinam, 
who is chayiv for Geneva Vaveda, as we learned already recently a couple of times. In other words, a person who was asked to guard something and who was doing it for free, obviously, if that person was negligent and directly damaged it, he'll have to pay for it. But unless he was a poishaya, even if what happened is beyond just an accident, there was a certain very little amount of negligence and someone because of that broke into the house and stole that item, the shoymer chinam is exempt. What's going to happen if the shoymer chinam really himself stole the article? But not wanting to pay for it, he was toying tainas ganath. The owner comes and tells the shoymer chinam, please give me back my pen. So the shoymer chinam says, I'm sorry it was stolen. But it didn't end there. This is important. After he tainted that it was stolen, he swore and based them that it was stolen. And after he and, and because of that, he's off the hook. Because Geneva Vavayda Basham Echinim is Potter. How do we know he did it? Because Vinikrav Balabayas Elhu Elohim, he went to Bazdin and he swore that it was Geneva. And they told him you don't have to pay. Then they discovered that he himself was the Ganav. So the trader reveals that he has to pay back to the owner, also Kefal. You have the law of Kefal there as well. You can't say, of course, a Ganav plays Kefal. A Shoemer who becomes a Ganav without an explicit Pasik is not like a Ganav. The difference is, the Ganav got the article from the outset Bi'isura. Reuven stole it from Shimon. The Shoemer received the article Behetero. He was not asked by the owner guard it. Later, he became a Ganav. The din is, at the end of the day, because the trader reveals that a Toyan Tainas Ganav is like a Ganav that pays Kefal, so now the Gemara wants to know what happens if after he Tainas that it was stolen, and after he swore the Shoemer wrongfully that it was stolen, if he himself shechts it and sells it. And now we realize that he was the Ganav. Does he have to pay Arba Vachamisha? So says the Gemara, the fact that the Mishnah did not give another difference by saying that a Toyan Tainas Ganav has to pay Kefal. The Mishnah did not say that. The Mishnah did not say that he won't have to pay Abba Chamisha. What does that mean? That he will have to pay Abba Chamisha. And that's why the Mishnah could not have given that as a difference. So, this will be a proof to the din of Rabbi Abba, to Amr Rabbi Abba, in the name of Rabbi Echanan, that's clearly in the Torah, Mishalom Tashlumi Kefal. And likewise, if the Shoemer, after he took the oath, then Tabach Umachar, he also later, if he's proven to be the thief, will have to pay Taka above Chamisha. So there isn't a difference, so the Mishnah didn't mention it. That's one version. There's another version that the Gemara asked, That's a Pasik. Rabbi Yechanan added Tabach Umachar, the guardian becomes just like any other Ganif, and he has to pay a Barba Chamisha. And let's prove it from the Mishnah, to which the Gemara says, Rabbi Yechanan might be right, but you cannot prove it from the Mishnah. Why? If you remember in Mesech the Megillah, the whole first Pedic at the end, the Ein Bains, the Mishnayis, we're going through a whole series of Dinim that don't share the same. So the, says our Gemara, Mik Tane Ein Bain. Did the Mishnah write there is no other difference other than the one that we mentioned? That Kefal is for even inanimate and Arbava Chamisha is Dafka for the, for the animals that the Torah specifies? The Mishnah didn't say Ein Bain for you to say that if the Mishnah did not mention another difference, it's because there isn't a difference. Merubak Tani. The Mishnah used the words that the din of Kefal is more inclusive. Being that the Mishnah uses the words Merubah, then Tana Vashayr, I can tell you that maybe Rabbi Yechanan is wrong. Maybe if a Shoemer, after he swears falsely, later shechts or sells, he will not have to pay Abba Chamisha. But the Mishnah didn't have to mention all the differences. So you can't prove the din from our Mishnah. But be that as it may, Rabbi Yechanan taught that Atoyen Tainas Ganav, the Shoemer, who later is Tabachumachar, also has to pay Arba Chamisha. We'll stop over here.